Hello, as always, I said the end of the year episode, I was going to take a break, but I didn't. So uh, here's episode 170, where I'm talking to Stu, and we are going to start off as obscurely as we possibly can. Cue it. I um I don't know why I called you big man. I don't I don't, yeah. I don't call you big man. I don't no. do that. <laughs> That's where Strange. we're starting. Where are you? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I called that big it, man it, in a message, and I've never done that, nor do I want to. I just it, it just I kind of I'd, I'd typed and it was there before I knew what was going on. <laughs> So let me just start, say off the bat here that I apologize mm. for yeah. getting getting us so off track last episode by mentioning the General Lee and Dukes of Hazard. Okay. I'm not going to be doing that today. Yeah, but I told you. I'm, I told I, you I'm, I'm going to be talking about Manimal instead, okay? So <laughs> Manimal. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell us more. No, I, I'm, I'm going to hit you with the obscurity to start off with. Because <laughs> Manimal? No, I I know I know of I know references to Manimal, right? But I I I know he's part man, part animal, but not no. Many he can animals. change into whatever animal he wants. Yeah, but not many. Is that right? Or uh, I I thought I thought he had pick. I thought he could pick and choose. Yeah, I don't know. I Hang don't on. Know. No, well, excuse me. <laughs> yep. I like I've your apologizing, right but now you're researching. Yep. While Jonathan, that's Jonathan Chase, the yep. lead character, had the ability to change himself into any animal, he would transform into a hawk and a panther for nearly every episode, <laughs> which you would put down to budget restrictions yes, rather than right. creative choices, right? I'd imagine what stock footage do we have? We <laughs> have a hawk <laughs> and a panther. All right, let's do that. Yeah. There would have been a lot of mirroring, I'm guaranteeing in that as well. Like, oh, it's just let's just do a reverse shot. <laughs> this episode of him turning into a hawk and and he looks like he's flying over the same terrain he did last episode it's almost like a cartoon like warner brothers cartoon yeah. just Hannah over Barbera. the same <laughs> yeah, yeah just feet running over the same oh so we're we're not going to get sidetracked here however i just wanted to point out something to you from the episode two episode two episodes ago where I talked to Wigo and Allison mm-hmm. and Allison got stuck on, uh, I don't know how we got talking about a time to kill. Uh, Wigo and I went to see it and she was saying, was Fred, what's Fred Gwynn from the Munsters, the judge in a time to kill. And I said, no, I don't think so. That was my cousin Vinny. And, and I said, I don't know who the judge was. She said, yeah, yeah, he had, you know, a big, Big stern dude. Anyway, I looked it up, and it's uh, of course Patrick McGowan. Yes, I don't know if even that's how you pronounce his name, but either way, he, for those of you who've seen Braveheart, he's the king. He's Longshanks in Braveheart. But to us, oh, hang on, I didn't know he that. Is, he he is more famously to us the lead in the TV series of Danger Man. Danger Man. Yes, you didn't you didn't know he was Longshanks. No, I didn't put that together. Oh, fantastic. So he's very, That's very, very, good. He's mind. very good in Longshanks. I'm sure he played a lot of uh a lot of roles of villains. But if you go through his like IMDB from memory, there was a lot of like standard like murder she wrote and Columbo, he was always like villain of the week. Mm. But he played the lead character from 1960 we've only made 40 episodes can can you can you we remember we because i i'm not sure we remember where we came across danger man uh i i think we probably first saw it um well maybe at your share house in newcastle yeah yeah it was it was definitely a show that was on past 11 30 at night you would imagine 
Yeah, I wanted to say in Wigo's boudoir. Have you talked about the boudoir before? I'm sure we have, but not for a while. Yes, so all right, you would fill us in on what the boudoir is. So our our friend Ben, who you've heard a lot on this show, no doubt. Um, mm. uh, when he was growing up, he was essentially kicked out of his house by his mother because she didn't want him big farty bastards um, <laughs> smelling up the house. Um, so they yeah. turned their back garage into a bedroom for him which became known as the boudoir. And, of course, we, Matt and I and Rich and whoever else, would yeah. um, basically decide that we would go and infest that place as well and would be there quite often, particularly on weekends, yeah. etc. Mm. Um, and I wanted to say that we probably saw Danger Man there first, but I can't now I'm, I'm second-guessing myself as to whether he actually had a TV Wired up yeah, no, he there. definitely did. He definitely did. Okay, so I reckon because it was that's probably we used that. to, you know, we used to watch, you know, all the classic party movies like uh, The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't know whether it was just a video, not hooked up to TV reception. No, no, he had, he had a TV. He had a TV because okay. I think what we used to do is if we got got in quite late, the first thing we would do is put on the TV and see rage kind or of weirdness. Yeah, rage yeah. or and then and if rage isn't on, then we click through and find what appalling movie would be on at that time of night. So yes. I think you're right. I think that's probably where we first met. And then, yeah, this show called Danger Man, which I guess is a, a precursor to James Bond. Yeah, well, an American iteration, I guess. Right, yes. Um, because Patrick McGill was a very smooth kind of 60s American man. Yes. Um. And, you know, yeah, he was a uh, covert undercover figure who <laughs> always managed to get out of scrapes yes. and, and have a smooth one-liner for whoever dared get in his way. Now, from memory too, you know, I'm sure we haven't watched every episode because every now and then we would, this is something that's been going on since then, so for 25 years, you were often, not often, but you will wake up one morning and there'll be a message from either of us to the other that just says, Danger Man alert. Yeah. Or I just happened to see Danger Man's on. Or yeah. especially when we had when, when we had little kids, when we had babies and we're up yeah. with them. Because there's a good just, chance you were someone was awake. Yeah, you would go, Oh my God, Danger Man's on. And message the other one. And there there are I, I have done some research uh through past uh messages where I just searched the term Danger Man. Mm. I wanted oh, to read. Yeah. I wanted to read a couple to you because they're pretty incredible. So okay. I don't know if we explained it well. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a show. I think it was on Channel Nine, and they would only run it like three thirty in the morning or something yeah. like that. It was <laughs> yeah, kind absolutely. of black and white and um, a bit schmaltzy, but yeah, very schmaltzy. And you said like he he was a secret agent and a, a man of disguise. Uh, however. <laughs> We use that term disguise loosely because here's some of the comments that we sent to each other. <laughs> uh, Danger, Man, Danger Man in this episode is pretending to be a female clairvoyant. He he has not changed his voice uh, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so that and was had, great. He had a kind of uh, stereotypical male 50s, 60s smoke Infused yes. voice right down here. Absolutely. Very low. Didn't change his voice. Um, he's in disguise at the moment as a woman. Uh, he has not removed his moustache. It's like, okay, that's that's pretty good. Uh, and just this quote. Ah, where are you from? I'm from Spain. Hmm. I hear you Spains get all the girls. <laughs> what is that? You Spains? Have you ever heard of that before? No. Sort of referring to Spanish people as Spains? Not Spaniards. Spains. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose I suppose it, it works on some level because you don't call someone from Germany Germanish. No. <laughs> no. And German, that's true. Yeah. So oh. I don't know, Spain's words. Sp Spain's does work. Spain's words for me. Oh yeah. I think we should um mix up what you could no no won't say that um good <laughs> it wasn't too bad but i just ran out of puff um 
And the, yeah. the best one here is uh, it says, you're a bit of a dandy, aren't you? Not dandy, danger. Now, come on. <laughs> I was like, what? And then sting. So obviously that went yeah. to an ad break on that you, moment. You know a writer pushed his chair back from the desk <laughs> after that and went, oh. Right, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> lunch time. Yeah, lit a cigarette. <laughs> The thirtieth of the day, no doubt. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, the, mm. the I think it, it it was a show f- for the baffling quote, though. I think we were, and the reason I said your share house in Newcastle is because I think we watched it, we saw it a few times up there, and and wrote down a few kind of more baffling lines from the show. Mm. Does that ring a bell for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We definitely did. Yeah, it, I think that there was one something about um, running off into the desert with a juniper bush and what remains of my trousers. Yes, that's right. I ran off, ran off with juniper bush and what was left of my trousers. Absolutely, very strange. It, it is a very strange. Yeah. Anyway, you know, if you're up at three thirty in the morning, it's probably still on at some point in the year. Yeah, and I believe, like when when you look it up on IMDb. It's very confusing because it says Danger Man 1960, but then there's also Secret Agent in 1964, also right. known as Danger Man. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, okay. So he had multiple episodes. But anyway, well, let's, we we can draw a veil discreetly over Dan. This has been the Danger Man podcast. You've wanted it. You've been requesting <laughs> it. And here it is. But let's get with, with to... Added ma- with added manimal. With... <laughs> Bonus manimal. <laughs> All right, but why we convened the first time uh, at yes. the end of last year was to talk Beatles. That's that's what we like to do. Um, both you and I are. Uh, would you would you call yourself a student of the Beatles? Um, no, is that uh, too pretentious? N- no, because um, I mean, growing up, I just liked the albums that my parents had. Mm. Um, but then. Like we've probably discussed previously in a Beatles-themed episode, I think you and I, at around the same time, had a bit of a spurt in interest in the Beatles. Yeah, probably what around sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, probably about that. And there was also. There was a book which I'm not going to be able to name because that's not how my brain works. Yeah. Um, which had every single song and who did what on the song. Yeah. Um, it's, which yeah, I've got it. The I the album or uh, the book title of Revolution in the Head, but I don't know if yes. that was the actual book. Uh, uh it's definitely be. a Beatles book. But that I is don't a know Beatles that. book, but it might. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same one. Anyway, yeah. and that kind of. I don't know this that kind of technical breakdown. Yeah, did make me kind of uh, look at the whole uh, kind of career of theirs in a more well scientific sounds stupid, but you know, just trying to I think look at it a bit more um, academically. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is, right? It's 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 the academic idea of the music who did what because growing up like like you said the the all you just hear is like or you look on the notes and it says lennon mccartney lennon mccartney wrote everything and you're like oh okay Mm -hmm. they wrote all the songs together and then i don't know when it was that i found out like oh no this you can tell who's usually the lead vocals they're the one who wrote the song and Mm -hmm. oh okay as soon as you start as soon as that happens then you that's where you really get into well, how come there's a lot on this album written by Paul and a lot of this album is written by John and then you start to follow that and then it becomes like a narrative behind it, I guess. Yeah, and it's not just, I mean, it, it didn't really become just a study of this music is good, why is it so good, why do I like it so much? Yeah. It became, like it was also intertwined in that is this uh, kind of, uh, study of these male relationships of yeah. these people who like met when they were what 14 something yeah. like that yeah 
and then grow- growing into men so deeply in each other's pockets um and and sort of the i guess the arc of them meeting getting so excited about a joint passion while going through puberty and all that yeah. sort of stuff yeah and then um the success and riding high on themselves in their early 20s yeah. to I don't know, be getting older and getting over it all and yeah. each other to some degree I, by, I, I, by the time they weren't even 30. Yeah, but I think it's a really good, I think I've mentioned this before, I think they're a really good study of, uh, I mean, not as general as all men in their 20s, but certainly an experience I had in my 20s and what I observed from my friends in their 20s of like early 20s, just being excited to be in your early twenties, be be adults, and then, and then I don't know, three years after that, being feeling a bit jaded about being an adult, and then, yeah. and trying, you're just trying different things, and I don't know, being are you being left behind? Are you ahead? Are you this? Like it's all a lot of that comparison, or mm. um, the highs are high and the lows are lower. That even when you're a teenager, I found because you've got careers, but sometimes. That sucks and yeah. relationships you think you work out, no, that they're worse or they're better. Um, a lot of that and then sort of settling towards your thirties. Like yeah. And it of- seems to me, and I might be wrong, but it just seems to me like they didn't necessarily know or care that much about other people their age mm. until maybe their mid twenties. When they started branching out a bit more from each other, oh, you mean like they were just like this? W- this is us, and because they were so that's all we have, yeah, yeah, introspective right. inside their group, yeah. Um, well, they didn't I really have don't... a chance, did they? Though, especially no. those first. Well, what, they were touring four years. Yeah, it was just that's all so, it yeah. was. You could probably say when they stopped touring and actually kind of yeah. had time to go out and <laughs> meet other people and do other things. That that's kind of. I guess when their dynamic shifted very, very dramatically, didn't it? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially the the central dynamic between Paul and John, right? Is that what did they do? Well, John was a house husband mm. after touring. He hated that. I mean, again, we, we, a lot of what we talk about when we talk about him is uh, the narrative that we've read rather than the specifics, right? But yeah. Paul was off being young and going to all these different places and meeting all these different people and and flexing artistic muscle in yeah. other areas yeah and just meeting different artists and coming in and um which is like you know again that that's the same thing of the narrative where i don't know people would like to think that john was more artistic and paul was more mainstream and you're like well in their experiences it was definitely the opposite like john was leading a mainstream life and paul was really getting into some avant-garde yeah ideas. I- I mean, uh, one way to look at it, I suppose, is the reason John turned to that house yeah. husband style figure is because he was off his face twenty four seven. Yeah, and didn't want to leave the house. Yes, that's I true. don't know. I don't know if he was doing much house husband work in no. terms of uh, cooking and cleaning, etc. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I I feel funny about this idea of John as the artist because. I I just see him as someone who pissed farts around and yeah. people liked it and people wanted to find more meaning in it than he ever intended most of it to have. Yeah, a lot of his stuff is like, you know, just stream of consciousness or, you know, found yeah. stuff like the being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, that kind of thing. Word association. Word association sort of and wordplay. Which you're obviously yeah. very good at, but yeah, um, I mean they all love Spike Milligan, yeah, and, and yeah. stuff like that. So like a, a lot of influence, like you know, you can see a lot of influence from from other people, but um, you know, Americans won't know that. No, <laughs> the majority of Americans won't know that where where their kind of other influences are from. Yeah, and he was more just like, oh, I've thrown this together, and then let's make it work. And they just happen to be the best in the world at making things work. Mm. I was like, well, we can make this better and we can add this. And they had the perfect producer. And um, but yeah, it's 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 
it's I don't know. It's when you look at avant garde, but then you know, like if you're if you're avant garde minded, then the Beatles are pretty straight laced in a lot of ways. Um, yes. especially early on. But I think that was the the like you said, when we we're about sixteen or seventeen, starting to I, I don't your parents probably had the same albums that my parents had, like the Sgt. Peppers and um Abbey Road and probably the red and blue um compilations. Yeah, they have mostly I think Abbey Road's the only the only standalone they had, right. but and, and, as in legit album that was released, and the rest were all compilation. Like there was one called Rock and Roll Music. Yeah, which was yeah, just... my, my dad had that one. Yeah, which yeah. is the rock and roll songs. Yeah, yeah, it's a few and knockoffs there was, there was here and there. Across the universe, which was just yeah, some of the more um the later ballady stuff. Yeah, right. So yeah, I like I I didn't kind of know what album was what until probably. You and I were looking into it deeper. Yeah, and again, it was that idea of like, which happens. I see it happening with my kids now, which is you know that where they where you find like music that is popular and well known, and you listen to an album and you're like, oh, the 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 songs that everyone knows are mm. good, but there's probably like ten other songs on this album that I might like more, or I hadn't heard them before. So all of a sudden, you're listening to the Beatles, but it's it's fresh. I still think that works on anyone probably ever yeah probably forever will is like oh finding oh this song's really good oh that's like I've, yeah. I, my both my daughters are sort of um you know here and there with like bands that i really love like radiohead and stuff like that and they listen to it and they find other songs or yeah. people they like are doing covers of a radiohead song and then they go can we listen to the actual radiohead song and then they're like, oh, okay, I found this one. Or, you know, like, do you know this song? And you're like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Do I know it? Yes, 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 I do know it, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It's funny, sorry, while you were saying that, mm. um, I was thinking about it more just going, um, so what would we have searched up first? And then I went, this is pre-internet. Mm. <laughs> how how did we even find anything out? <laughs> had to go books, I suppose. But I don't yeah, remember, I, do I I don't I remember had... doing that. I think I don't know another friend. I I know I I bought the White Album was the first thing that like the first Beatles thing that I bought, and that must have been suggested by someone. Like I yeah. didn't just go, oh, what's this one? The White Album. Oh, I'll get that. But I just I don't know. Someone found out I like the Beatles. It might have been a friend of the family. Yeah. Um, who just said, oh, if you like the Beatles, yeah, you should check out the White Album. And I was like, oh, okay. But that was, and I don't know how. Yeah, I don't really know how that came about, but that was again like finding that and being like, I don't know any of these songs, <laughs> which is bizarre. Like, oh, I know that song; it's on the Blue compilation. Yes, album, but every other song's way better than back in the USSR. Like, <laughs> why is that the hit? Like, it's all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. One of the one of the weird things to think about is like, you know, like the other band, like I said, that I that I like just as much as the Beatles is Radiohead. But yeah. I don't do anything in terms of that, like you said, the academic breakdown of yeah, songs. Right. I don't even know lyrics to yep. songs that I've listened to hundreds of times. I, I don't look them up. I go, I don't, I don't know what he's saying there, but I never look them up. And I wonder maybe the Beatles are more accessible or I, I don't know what it is, or maybe it's that the usual thing of like something you connect with when you're 15 or 16 becomes it. Yes. Uh, I think it's probably... Yeah, um, your brain sponginess at the time yeah. of hearing it. But also, you know, I you, I don't know if this is something a lot of people agree with or not, but yeah. um, the Radiohead songs have, oh, the music sets such a tone yeah. on mm. some of the songs it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, I would what agree. What the lyrics are saying. That's probably right. That's probably right. There was a, a podcast that came out recently that was like the broke down um, in the album In Rainbows, the Radiohead album In Rainbows. Yeah. And I couldn't, and they did song by song, and each episode was about one song, and it was like 45 minutes on each. I, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to it. It yeah. was like, I, I don't, it was all, it broke down the technical aspects of the music, and then it went down through the lyrics, and I was like, I'm, I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite. <laughs> Of the Beatles, where I've read yeah. so much about every book, and even now, like 
you have the same experience I do where you hear Paul tell a story and you're like, that's not how it happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's it. Uh, and and because, you know, you, the Radiohead guys, their personalities and interpersonal relationships are not no the kind of public fodder yeah. <laughs> that yeah. the Beatles are. Like it's, you know, so there's just not that, I guess, yeah. r- relatable aspect to... <laughs> to like hearing their art, maybe that, that's probably true because I think the Beatles, especially like learning about them, is so much of it's tied to pop culture mm. at the time. So you, oh, all right, I'm learning about the Beatles, but a lot of it is you know tied in with look what else was happening. The '60s in London was this, yeah. you know huge thing, and their music is responding to this, but it's also leading that, and you sort of it's connected to so much pop culture. Whereas Radiohead, you kind of like. This could be in a vacuum, and yes, some of it isn't, but a lot of it is just like, oh, this is just the music that they made. Um, it might be responding to things, but it's not sort of leading the culture, and no, uh, yeah, they're not those figures. So there's the the maybe that's what it is. If you want to be academic about the Beatles, you can, but you can tie it into you know enjoyable pop culture stuff. Here's yes. a photo where they met Elvis. Here's a photo where they met Muhammad Ali. Like they they're meeting and connected to these. The pop culture, I guess. And respectfully to Radiohead, yeah. I think a lot of what the Beatles emanate is fun and positivity. Yeah, yeah. And enjoying <laughs> the spotlight. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. yeah, you'd probably say the exact opposite for Radiohead. Absolutely. And the 60s, you know, a lot of things I've read and things I've seen about it. Yeah. You know, people are at pains to say that, you know, the world needed the Beatles right. yeah. at that time because of the tumultuousness of the historical events going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. R- it's r- also, yeah. It's also the, when, when the sort of the, the outline of pop culture that you think you know about the 60s tends to be like this happened and then the Beatles and then there were hippies and, Yes. Vietnam. And then you're like, actually, yeah. especially in America, like you're like, holy shit, yeah. that was not a fun decade. And then and then the greedy eighties with your Gordon yeah. Geckos. Yeah, yeah. It's Wall all street it's, types. But don't you find that now that uh it's a sign of aging, but like when people talk about the nineties in the same way, not like, oh, the nineties were like this, but if you watch something that is reflecting on the nineties. Like there was a documentary break stuff, which was about Woodstock 99. Mm. And it was about like, this is what was happening in the 90s. And I, I remember watching it and I'm going, that's not, that's not, like when you live through it, you're like, that's not my experience. Yeah. Like, that's what is this rubbish? Like, oh, all young men were angry and this is why. And I was like, I don't know. That wasn't like I, no. where I grew up, but it's the same. I remember my dad talking about like, asking him about like hippies and so And he was like, I don't know, like. We were always suspicious of people who claimed to be hippies. Like, just yeah, I think like a creeps. couple of a couple of, I guess, funny things to say about that is, yeah. um, that that very idea is something that myself and somebody else are looking at, maybe at doing a podcast right, about this right, year. Right, right. The um, uh, a lot of that '90s kind of feeling and vibe and nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and not not only did I read something which shocked me a little bit, which was that um, uh, the if they made Back to the Future today, they would have only gone, they would be going back to nineteen ninety four. Yeah, and going, oh wow, all right, yeah. Yeah. shit, that's, that's gross. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> was, bad. Like our literally, term. our children could be going back to nineteen ninety four and seeing yeah. us at the same age as them and being. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty horrifying. So there's that, yeah. and then there's also the fact that um, my wife and Michelle and I went to Newcastle for a couple of nights a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and we'd been out to dinner, and we saw a bar that we thought we'd step step in and have a drink at. Oh yeah, I think and I know which bar it is. Sorry, I think I know which bar it is. Yeah, well, it took me a few minutes. While we're in there, to realise that it was a '90s theme bar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a is it the old Mercury? I think that's what it might be. 
Uh, it's Justine. called Uptown. But, yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, it used to be it used to be the Mercury Bar, and then yeah, Justine did the same. She went with her brothers, brother and sister, and they went out in Newcastle, and they were, oh, we're at this '90s themed bar, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, but because you know I'm an old man whose heyday was in the '90s. That's right. <laughs> I walked in there and went, "Well, this is cool." And there's <laughs> nothing strange about it at all. That's right. Yeah, it's, um, that's helpful. Yeah, but pretty soon we kind of looked around and went, all right, well, there's um, um, Seegers on all the tables so people can play Mario Kart. There's 90s movies playing. There's basketball cards all over the wall. There's a sneaker collection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's 90s-themed cocktails, and the whole bar is decorated in VHS tapes. So I think we might be in the middle of a uh, kooky... Ironic yeah. '90s themed bar, and um, but look, all the twenty-year-olds in there were having a great time. So. Well, that, I mean, that's the same. We it, the the weird thing is like the '80s nostalgia was already happening in the '90s. You know, you could go to '80s themed things when yeah, we were growing right. up, but the '90s one didn't seem to have that until now. <laughs> which is which is odd. The '80s are all. I guess maybe again, the '80s was condensed down to. Like the pop culture was just down to like neon and um like fluoro neon lighting and, right. and everything was and that and new wave music and and then that was about it and that that's sort of just stuck with us since then because yeah. I remember I got I got like a an eighty CD for like my eighteenth birthday like cheesy eighty CD <laughs> and it was you know if you there's an eighties theme bar in Canberra and it's the same, exact same music yeah. so they're just like all right we'll just stick with this and that'll be forever so the, whereas the nineties I don't know it, it does seem like it's it's having yeah it's retro moment now but that well, is I was conflicted in there like mm. I I went this is cool and I like it but I also feel like I'm in a museum of myself. That kind of thing. Right. It's yeah. strange anyway. Especially like that would have been, I was living in Newcastle in the 90s. So again, like, yep, this <laughs> yeah. is all the same music. <laughs> Nothing's changed in Newcastle. This is great. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just writing that down. Anyway, so why we wanted to talk about the Beatles was they released a new song. Yeah, that's right. Um, What? 30 years again, yeah. back to 1994, would have been the last time they released any new music. Yeah, and again, I don't, because there was no internet, we have spoken about this, but the actual, I think the real thing that made us the way we are about the Beatles was we got into the Beatles and then the anthology came out. Oh, I reckon the reverse. I don't, I don't think so. I think... 94, think, we would have been, oh, 16, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think we. I was getting into the Beatles more and then it wasn't like, oh, in a year's time, like we, like when Get Back was coming out, we, everyone knew or it was promoted well in advance that Peter Jackson's working on this. Mm. I, I just remember liking getting into the Beatles and then like, oh, they're releasing new music and being like, yeah. what? Oh, and there's a, you know, eight-part documentary oh. coming out and just being like, Fantastic. And just yeah, like, all I'm, right, this is it. I'm uh, stealing myself up to watch that again, actually. Yeah? When... You, you steal it like the anthology? No, the uh, the Peter Jackson series. Oh, the Get Back. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I haven't, I, I, I haven't I, rewatched it. I say it. stealing. I'm only just saying as in, you know, committing, finding eight hours to commit. Finding eight hours, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I was trying to get my dad because I finally said look you can you can watch it i made it so he it was available for him to watch mm. at home and i said you should you got to watch this and he was like oh, eight hours what you don't have eight hours to spare come on you know you do um but yeah justine was <laughs> respectfully like, oh, what does he yeah. do all day yeah that's right that's right he's got to go down <laughs> the shops and get bread and tomatoes and come back and watch yeah watch. he could do it knock it off in a day but like, oh, I forgot spread over bread two days go, yeah go back and yeah yeah but like justine said like oh it's you know it's one for the the super fans, because like goes for eight hours, and a lot of them just sitting around having a chat. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, um, they could condense, like have a have a non Uber fan version, which went for two hours or something like that. Um, but I was like, Dad, I don't understand. You'll love it. But he's against anything which leaves Yoko Ono in a more favorable light. <laughs> that's what he said. 
But he's like, you know, he's uh, of the boomer generation. Doesn't yeah. he like getting outraged by things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I told him, like, you can you can say what you want, but you watch it. You'll be like, oh, it wasn't as disruptive as you were led to believe. But I think that's been his experience of the Beatles for 50 years. For us, yes. it's been like 30 years. But for him, for 50 years, Yoko broke up the Beatles and, bro, how could she do such a thing? Yeah. That's what he was told at the time. Yes. And then you yeah. then you have, yeah, again, then it's 30 years later. And then 30 years after that, yeah, here's a, here's a new song. So how, how did this happen? Uh, I haven't done nearly as much research on the actual song now and then um, of how, because, you know, they released Free as a Bird and Real Love in 94. Mm -hmm. John had been dead 14 years. They had these old tapes. They recorded over them. Well, like used them as the, as the bass and recorded. But what about now and then? Where did that come from? Well, that was in the same pile of demo tapes that Free as a Bird and Real Love were in. Right. But for whatever reason, when he recorded it, it just didn't was not recorded as well as the other ones. Right. So right. there was significantly more tape hiss and et cetera on it. Yeah. Apparently. Um Yeah, and- I remember reading like yeah, George. They were like, Oh, it's okay. And George was like, No, it's crap. He's always been the one who's like, no, this is crap. Yeah, but I think the, um, I think what's probably not clear is yeah. the fact that George quashed putting the song out in '94 because it was meant to obviously Freezer Bird opened Anthology One and Real Love opened Anthology Two and right and yeah. now and then we're supposed to open Anthology Three, right, but right, right. George quashed it. But it's not. Hundred percent clear whether it was the audio quality on the tape or yeah. whether he just thought the song wasn't good enough. Right. So, uh, and and you can if you search up the now and then demo tape on YouTube, yeah, it's the original tape Lennon recorded. You can probably see why he might have thought that because. Although you know the 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 verse etc that we hear on this song is okay, we like yeah. it. Yeah. There's a like a really tonally vomitous bridge, <laughs> okay, things all over the place. Yeah, um, which I can understand putting him off potentially. Um, so that kind of leaves us with a wide spectrum of either George liked it but couldn't deal with the tape hiss, and now Paul's yeah. fulfilling. His friend's final piece of work, yeah. or Paul's knowingly going against George's wishes <laughs> <laughs> and essentially sticking your finger up at him and yeah, going, well, "Well, you're not, you're not here. I'm putting it out." Well, I heard that you know that, to, that it's it, there. Were, yeah, the tape quality wasn't good, and and George was like, "Yeah, it's not good enough for us. We're the Beatles. Mm. We have to do it." Uh, and then Peter Jackson saying, "Well, we've got the whatever." technique we have to isolate vocals that we used in get back we can actually yep. do on the song and don't you love the fact that the creator of bad taste and meet the feebles is now the leading edge for innovative film and sound technology no, nothing i i and would, the main beatles chronicler of our yeah times. i i don't think anything is as bizarre as the career of peter jackson <laughs> like i i i I struggle to think of anyone else where if you saw their first film and then yeah. said this is what they're going to do would be so much a bridge between like I can never get out of my head that he made bad taste. Yeah. I how can, many how many people who loved Lord of the Rings yeah. etc yeah. do you think know about brain dead and bad taste and meet the feebles? I mean I don't know. It's it's because you know, like even now, you know, he's done. He did Lord of the Rings. He won Oscars. Yeah. He did all of this stuff. He, now he's done Get Back. It's still when I see him in interviews, I'm like, nah. <laughs> uh, you you drank people's vomit. Like, what That's are right. you, what is going on? Just, yeah, because I remember, like, you know, Peter Jackson's going to direct Lord of the Rings. I'm like, what is go- this dude? 
you what you had a character doing? in one of your films who's cracked his head open and his brains were falling brains out falling and out. he had to he spent the rest of the movie with his belt tied around his head so his brains wouldn't fall out. You had a you had him fall through a roof with a chainsaw and go through one end of an alien and come out the other end and say I'm born again like what obviously but, obviously if that doesn't make any sense to you yeah uh you need to go and find these movies and watch them well i'll do, i think i'll put the maybe the image of the front cover of bad taste the video <laughs> as like the image and be like we talk about director the, of bad taste we talk about the beatles and then just have that picture there but having said that there is doesn't he drive around in the car in bad taste it's a and the, there's a cardboard mm. cutout of oh, the Beatles. Yeah. I hadn't I'd ever thought of that. that. I hadn't yeah. even put that together ever. But he drives around and yeah, the four Beatles Sergeant Pepper's outfits are mm. what a weird anyway. So anyway. incongruous is the word. It still doesn't make sense, even though so, he made those films and the yeah. song though. Yeah. Um I mean now and then. I I I just love that it's a simplistic song. Yeah. And I I love that it's kind of fey. Yeah, you know, it, in a minor key. Um, yeah. I mean, I love I love the fact that I was expecting Paul to be completely overbearing, and he wasn't really. That's that's a hundred percent what I was going to say. Was yeah. that you know, that's what I expected was that he would go. All right, I've got a, I've written a verse. I've written yeah. this. I'm you know, here's four bars of John, and then I'm gonna Paul's gonna whack in three verses in the middle eight of his own. That's right. Scene. Yeah, but that yeah. didn't really happen. No, him no, harmonizing it... with himself by the end, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's that was yes, that was a major surprise. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's a major surprise. I, I listened to it when it came out. I didn't really listen to it that much. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because you said it's a bit fey, and I was like, all right, yep, I know I know what this is. But m- both my kids have asked to put it on in the car. Right, yeah. Which, you know, suggests that people are talking about it or people are using it on TikTok maybe. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're actually like this is the, like there's a new Beatles song. Now they're old enough to know yeah. who the Beatles are. They know what a psycho i am about the beatles but <laughs> like can you put on that song and then i've been listening to especially over this um over the break we went away a lot of driving in the car listening to it quite a lot in the car and just being like oh okay like all beatles songs like the more you listen the more you're like that's cool mm. that's that's a echo i haven't annoyed them by like well this sounds a bit like this thing <laughs> this little drum feel that ringo does which i love no if they're doing it themselves and let them go yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Um, oh. But, that, I mean, that was the, the surprise of it is, like, it is you can hear all four of them. Yeah. You know, like, they, they did allow, without it being gratuitous, like, I, I thought, oh, is there going to be a drum solo in here? But, no, it's just there's some cool roles by Ringo that he just chucks in there that you're like, that's so cool. He's, yeah. however old, 80. Oh, 80. You can tell. 80 and some. 80, yeah. You can just tell, like. Yeah, he'd be eighty-five now. Oh my god! I, I, um, I, I, I mean, I really like that the video doesn't really match the tone of the song no. at all. <laughs> the lyrics no. or the melody, like it's quite a, like I said, it's a minor key. the The lyrics are about kind of you know missing you and all that sort of stuff, but it's this really upbeat, zany film clip. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I. I enjoyed the fact that there was a lot of consternation before the song came out about what evil Paul and his AI bots were going to do yeah, to the song. Right. Yeah. Is he going to make a fake John and pretend it's an old oh. tape? All that oh. sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Or is he going to, like, AI his own voice so he doesn't sound like the weird mid-80s-year-old yeah, voice Paul that, that he's he got now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, um, I mean, again, going to his, people we went to his concerts recently yeah. in Australia... Like I, I, I don't want to see him live because I don't want to hear his voice. But everyone yeah. who goes just has a great time. It's the experience yeah. of it, right? When do you get a chance to sit in a crowd of however many fifty thousand people? Yep, and sing Beatles songs. That's pretty good. I'm filthy but... at myself. Oh really? Well, I had I could have gone, but oh. I kind of went oh four hundred bucks or whatever it was. Wow, yeah. 
oh, I don't know. Mm. And then immediately was really upset for my, <laughs> with myself for being tight. This is a fucking beetle and yeah. he's not coming back. He's not got, hasn't got three more tours in him. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. He, I thought that the last time and that was probably <laughs> three or four years ago or five years ago. He's not coming back. Oh, no, he came back. He's back. All right, cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, what if what if Ringo tours? Are you going to go? And, that's another beetle. Well, I'll you know I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> um, the the strings in the song. Yeah, I, I hated it at first, but like the more I've listened to it, the more I like it. I think. Yeah, that that's was pretty- kind of that was kind of the bit that I was like, well, that's quite bad. All right, let's put some strings mm. at the end to yeah. sound like it's a. 1968 Beatles song or yeah but again that's what you want that's if you want to make a Beatles song then you need a bit of George Martin in there right yes well yeah I mean I think that's probably the one bit where they go where they went well we need to add absolutely every Beatles element we can into this yeah um but I think again it could have been overstated and was probably a bit understated yeah right for what they could have done which i think you know i'm thankful for yeah but the video the video itself is kind of what i remember like the there's lots of great moments in there that like uh, the young ringo playing drums and looking over at old ringo playing drums like it's almost like a son looking at his dad (laughs) yeah kind of shot um and I, I, you know, I've seen people commenting that they hate the fact that John's looking at the sunset and then Paul appears in the sunset. Yeah. But I, I, I actually think it was kind of done in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Yeah. Like, you know, we can't forget that all a lot of their shtick was tongue-in-cheek. So why would they suddenly not be tongue-in-cheek anymore, ever? Yeah, that's right. A lot of Paul's, you know, imagery and stuff like that was being like, this is yeah. silly, this is over the top, but that's cool. Mm. Let's just make fun of what intellectuals think we are. Yeah. And I, I even lo- I even kind of love the kind of weird dead-eye stare Paul gives to the string musicians as they're going about their work. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you remember that shot in the film clip, but it's. I think it's pretty fitting to have Paul there yeah. sitting there overseeing the musicians because, um, it, like, it, it gets – he's like, they cut back to it a few times and I wasn't really sure why that would be a feature in the video. Yeah. But I think it's actually kind of there for Paul to be saying to John and maybe to a lesser extent George, you know, I'm still here overseeing things, our legacy. Yeah. Protecting it, and whether I mean, people ag- whether people agree that that's what he's doing or that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, or he's a control freak that yes. couldn't let go. But again, like you watch Get Back, and you, you everyone, that's what I thought. Paul was a control freak, and then you're watching, you're like, they would have got nothing done without him. Yeah, for sure. In that session, especially, yeah. Like, like you can complain all you want about how controlling he was, but Jesus, so much of what he did was like, come on. Let's do this. Yes. We need to do this. Absolutely. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's his, maybe yeah, rather than saying to his dead bandmates, I'm <laughs> still here looking after things yes. for you. Yes. He's saying, he's just saying, remember, I am I sorted everything out. That's right. <laughs> Everybody out there. I don't yeah. know. I, 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 yes, you should still be thanking me. I don't know. I think the only thing that doesn't really sit that well with me with the film clip is the 80-something-year-old Paul and Ringo standing there singing the chorus. Yeah. It's really awkward. Yeah, it is awkward. And Because when, when Paul's sitting there overseeing those string musicians, he's kind of looks a bit powerful and knowing. Yeah, when there's when frail, sta- frail 80-year-old standing, <laughs> there, standing there hoping a breeze the doesn't chorus. blow them over. <laughs> he looks like a drunk old bloke. Yeah, yeah. In that chorus bit, who gets up on the dance floor because he's seen a couple of young girls get up, <laughs> dance by himself, and say, "Right here I go." Do a little shuffle and yeah. Yeah, away he goes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds unkind, but you know, I know they're in their eighties. But you know, can't they sit on a couple of stools? I would <laughs> sing that. I, I, that's that's a very good point. Just can you sit them down, please? They're very I, tired. They must be somehow. Um, I would love for for Paul to 
like, all right, the the last song I'm ever going to release, I'm going to do a duet of How Do You Sleep at Night with with the AI John. Oh. That would be pretty amazing. I, I think you should get the AI John just to say, oh, there's been a lost tape, everybody. This is this is John apologizing to me for putting How Do You Sleep at Night out. Listen yeah, to it, everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's he's he's re- he's recorded a 10-minute apology. <laughs> oh, no one knew he had this. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's saying it's not actually about Paul. It's yeah. it's about someone else. Uh, it's, yeah. It's about Keith Richards. <laughs> Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Oh, that's it's so about, nice. It's about me, Mum. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. That'd be weird, but yeah, it's about his dad. He could do about his dad. Yeah, true. That would make sense. Yeah, that's what Paul would do. It's actually about his dad. You see, John told me, and he like goes into his usual story, presses yeah. play on a tape, and the, the tape tells the story as it always does. Well, I think we should say here if Paul McCartney's listening to this, he is. Yeah, hi yeah. Paul. Hello. Thanks. Paul. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for not using this AI in your kind of revisionist mm. <laughs> style of looking at things yeah. and, ch- you know, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Peter Jackson's just got it locked up tight. Yeah. Well, what happens when Peter Jackson dies and Paul's still alive somehow, and then he's going to take what Peter Jackson did recordings. Or and- maybe, but maybe Peter Jackson's got the AI technology Locked up in like a Mordor style <laughs> wasteland, and Paul's got to find his way to the middle. To him and Ringo have finally got to go yeah. and chuck the tapes in, <laughs> so no one can make any more Beatles songs. Maybe that's what's happening here. <laughs> We're done. Another thirty years, and another song will come out. Yeah. Oh dear. Can't Just AI long. all them, all the yeah. fuckers. Won't be long, I'm sure. It's be weird. Oh dear. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming back and actually talking about what we what we came to talk about. Yeah, that's all right. I was looking forward to keeping it going over eight episodes or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, two quick questions before you go. Yeah. Uh, you went up to see your family at Christmas time. Did you I find did. any of the cassette tapes of you and your brothers making you know, com- audio content? Completely forgot while I was up there, Damn which it. always happens. I'm like, great. Even though it was raining for three days and we're just sort of sitting around. I could have easily said, where are any tapes lying around? No, didn't even bother. Just completely forgot. So no is the answer to that. But I'm going up in February and I'm going to make a note on my phone as we speak that uh, will pop up and say, check the tapes. Yeah. They've got to be bonus episodes for the Oh, absolutely. I'll get get some. I'll send them to Peter Jackson. He'll remove some. Oh, absolutely. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Just tell him how much you love bad taste. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you sort these out? All, All right, right, thanks, Stu. No, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye.